Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Tabitha Scott. Tabitha is a former executive in three multi-billion dollar companies, was on the Forbes Business Council, and is a best-selling award-winning author and speaker, author of the book, Trust Your Animal Instincts. She brings over 20 years leading business transformation, innovation, sustainability, and behavior change, and helps people and companies to tap into their highest potential source of energy. This means a more positive life and business culture and avoids burnout. I am so delighted to meet you and have you here on the show today. Welcome to Abatha. Thanks for having me, Angel. It's great to be here. Well, I want to start our time, Tabitha, with this idea of trusting your animal instincts. Is this something that came to you later in life or were you the little wild child running around barefoot in nature when you were tiny? I grew up on a small farm in Kentucky. So I was growing up (laughs) running around barefoot and had many animals and many responsibilities. But I tell you what, growing up on a farm and my parents were elementary school teachers. So they taught us about planting cycles and growth cycles and how things change and the laws of nature and, of course, responsibility and hard work. So it was a lot of fun, but it also taught us a lot of important lessons that I could use in the workplace later on. Beautiful. Well, let's talk about going from the farm to Forbes, right? <laughs> talk, yeah. let, talk to me a little bit about that journey. Like what inspired you to take that path? Yeah, I've always been competitive, played sports growing up and have just really enjoyed learning along the way, learning in business, trying new things. And when I was leading those organizations, it was as the top innovation officer in most cases and working in technology and innovation. It's a very future forward type of business. And so it was a passion of mine to learn And I would steer that towards things that I really cared about. For example, I really love nature. I'm a nature nut. And so I worked with renewable energy investments, worked with sustainability, did a lot of solar development. And so leveraging the skills and and education that I learned along the way to do the things that were really important to me. Mm, Beautiful. Well, you know, it's interesting because technology sometimes can be a great thing. And sometimes it can be a not so great thing. So I'd love to have you speak a little bit about how you kind of found your way into this kind of future focused zone of showing up in the world and making your contribution. Would you consider yourself a visionary? Were you particularly adept at technology? Let's talk a little bit about 
again, how did you get from the farm to Forbes, <laughs> right? Yeah, I would I would give, first of all, my parents some credit for encouraging me to skill myself up in things that I don't naturally enjoy. So I would be naturally more of a sales or marketing personality, but I skilled myself up in things like investing and technology and things that whether I was the person in the room with all the other technologists that, you know, understood and could interpret to the business, or I was, you know, with the group of sales and marketing folks and I could help with the technology side. So that was really good advice early on. And I think that helped lead to this having complexity and roles, which we need in the modern business place. I think another one of the aspects that really helped lead from the farm to Forbes, if you will, was every person is energized differently and we can be placed, you know, on the growth curve, if you will. And I'm pretty extreme. There's this measurement called the AEM cube developed by Peter Robertson. And he's a physicist and a psychologist. So he really understands how people think and how they move. Mm -hmm. And I'm like the 99th percentile on the growth curve for loving change. Like I live in the future. So I have to pull myself into the present or, you know, heaven forbid, I need to find risk and, <laughs> you know, really optimize things. But I do a lot of work today with, with folks helping them understand where's their optimal place along that growth curve. And then how can you find a career that aligns with that? So you stay energized and you resist burning out. Mm, I love that. Well, I love this idea also of the complexity in roles, because there was certainly a wave of time, I will say, where many people were asked to specialize. And there was almost a, you know, a poo-pooing of the quote unquote, jack of all trades, the person who yes. could be multidimensional. And then there are people, people like us, I'm going to say I'm like that, who are multidimensional. And I can't just put myself into a, you know, one specific silo and, and consider mm -hmm. myself a bridge as well. So as you were in your career and coming up, when you faced that kind of framework of like slot yourself here, mm -hmm. how did you using your own energy and innovation and intelligence, how did you create a path for yourself that allowed you to step into and actually create kind of what I would call a bridge role? Yeah, I think in the roles that I chose, which were typically in innovation, which if you're in that role, you're expected to think future forward and future proofing with creative ideas. So aligning a role to fit where I naturally was, that was really good. And you had to have complexity because what you did in one area would certainly affect another area. So as a generalist, you know, you and I are more generalists, like a general physician, which probably, you know, a little bit about a lot of things, but you need a complement. And I would work with specialists who were, you know, very deep, more like brain surgeons, you know, they would go to the nth degree in specialty. And so I think it just takes all shapes and sizes. And just based on the types of careers I've worked with, that complexity has come in really handy. Mm, yeah, beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about innovation and living in the future. What does it look like to be that voice for change, to be the one who's willing to stand up and say, we need to do something different here? 
I'd love to have you talk a little bit about that and about any places in your career where you might have gotten pushback and how you pushed through. Yeah, I constantly got pushback. And I would tell people, if you're going to be in ideation or innovation, be ready for it. Because anything that is change is going to use the laws of physics and nature. What I mean by that is expect an equal and opposite reaction. Unless you know where people want to go already, unless they've refined their ideas and made that clear, and your innovation is in support of that, then you better expect an equal and opposite reaction. So my next book that's coming out February 20th called Powering Change actually speaks to that aspect of silos. You were talking about where companies, as they come up the growth curve and become more mature, they start to specialize. But in today's pace of change, we're not in linear business anymore. We're more in chaos theory. And so those same boundaries that used to provide specialization and efficiency, now they're like straitjackets and they're keeping information in and they're keeping it from going back and forth, you know, amongst other departments and communicating as fast as we need to. Right. Well, then we put personalities into place too, right? So, so, you know, I think that the complexity here is that there are many people who were trained in a certain way and they have a certain mindset and they, you know, thought that that's how they were going to succeed as a company or as individuals. And the pace of change, as you said, is is exponential compared to, you know, even 5, 10, 15 years ago, the pace of change now is ridiculously exponential. Mm -hmm. And so how do you help people to adapt and to break down their, you know, preconceived notions? Yeah, I think... The first thing is recognizing what is the context that person is in right now. For example, if they're on a team of only like type people, then um, they're going to have expectations that everyone does the exact same thing, where if they can at least recognize that diverse type thinking in teams helps you go faster as a team, it helps you as an individual to get other perspectives and maybe look at things like what I tell people to do instead of trusting that instant of you want to kind of rebut what someone has said if you disagree with them. I encourage people to ask a question. Just ask a question because your brain comes from a different place when you're answering a question and when you're asking a question than if you begin this equal and opposite kind of going at each other, even if it's friendly back and forth, if you can get curious about it, Mm. it puts your brain in a little different place that's more positive. Mm. Beautiful. I love that. Well, that's one of the things I actually work with my clients on as well is can we get out of the state of worry and into the state of wonder. That state of wonder opens up so many more possibilities. So Tabitha, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to let people know a little bit more about how to find you. And I want to talk a lot about, you know, how you came to the decision to end your big career and step into what you're doing now. But right now we're going to take a short break. Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you are enjoying this show, please consider joining our community, making a donation at wickedlysmartwomen.com and sharing with your lovely lady friends that might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. 
We are so grateful. I do want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing from 110 countries now around the world. I took a little break in recording here, and over the break, we added two more countries. So it was 109 country. 109 was Armenia. And country 110 was Iraq. So I'm going to shout out to our listeners in both Armenia and Iraq. And we will be right back with Tabitha Scott. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Tabitha Scott. You can find out more about Tabitha and how she can serve you and your company or you individually by going to tabithaascott.com. TabithaAscott.com. And for those of you who are looking for a speaker, Tabitha is also a speaker. So I'm sure on that site, you will find ways to book her to speak to your organization. So Tabitha, let's talk about your book, Trust Your Animal Instincts, and what led you to leave corporate? Like, what was the inspiration for you to, to go? It was more like expiration. I went into complete burnout after years and years of working in fields related to sustainability and renewable energy in the Southeast US. And the companies I largely worked for were in places like London or Sydney that had carbon taxes. So part of my role was to get folks in the US excited about measuring their carbon, which you can imagine how excited they were about that, especially in the South. (laughs) And uh, it just years and years of understanding what was happening behind the scenes with emissions and pollution and asthma and um, slurry spills and, you know, things that people don't typically hear about and understanding how serious the situation had become. And then to have 40% of your population not even believe it's real, that was hard. It was really hard. And so I, I felt very blessed to be in a situation where I used the language of the dollar instead of talking about, let's do this because it makes people feel good or it helps the environment, I would say, let's do this because it makes economic sense. You can get a better ROI if you do it. So up to burnout, you know, it wasn't one thing. It was over time, just Mm -hmm. having that lack of support. It felt like for something that was so important to me. And then at home, you know, as a mom, you have so many things going on. I had a son that got narcolepsy. I had another son who needed five leg surgeries to bind his knees together, just these unusual situations, a divorce at home, you know, mm-hmm. and empty nesting. And it all just kind of culminated to this point where it started to turn inward on my body. And I mm-hmm. had a breast cancer scare. And I was like, this is it. Like, 
I got to take care of myself. I need to do what I love and shed these pressures. I call it the should monster. I should be the perfect mom. I should be the perfect CEO, you know, (laughs) and stop shooting on myself and start, you know, living and really connecting with what resonates with me personally. And so the book is a work of love for other women, especially working women who have shoulds in their life and are allowing others to to tell them what they should be and just saying, hey, I hope you know you have the freedom to choose anything you want to do and you go be that. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, I used to call it the do monster at my house. Yeah. <laughs> when my son like would have, you know, a challenging day and I was not in a space where I was really being fully present with him. Mm-hmm. And then I recognized it. I would go back to him and say, I apologize that the do monster I was taking, you know, I was caught up by the do monster. Yeah, <laughs> right. I get it. Well, I love this idea of expiration. Instead of what inspired you to leave, you got you you got to the expiration date. <laughs> I love that idea. So, for our listeners out there, if you are somebody who is pushing up against what you know is that expiration date for you, Tabitha, I'm sure can be a beautiful role model and potentially a source of support for you. So Tabitha, what what is it exactly that you do to support your clients? And and can we talk a little bit about who your clients might be? And if you'd like, you can give us a success story. Yeah, sure, sure. I've worked with clients all over the world. And what, what seems to be really kind of, I don't want to use the word popular right now, but what companies need is they're building on basic concepts to help people stay more energized and engaged at work. So an example of that is like using cognitive diversity, helping companies assess how do people fit on that growth curve? How do people uniquely contribute? And therefore, what is the most powerful place that they can serve? So that helps with hiring, with retention, with avoiding burnout, which are really hot topics right now. And then, of course, speaking about burnout and how to shed and let go of those pressures, identify them, let go of them, how to tap into your intuition and hear people don't know what their purpose is and they're stressing themselves out. And I'm like, just stop it. Just pick a waypoint. Just make a waypoint for like next month. By next month, my purpose is to do this and give yourself a little bit of grace to change it over time, you know? Mm. So it's working with burnout and purpose and intuition, but in a scientific way, um, it's not a lot of woo. It's more of a, how does this relate to your business and your health and your, your personal well-being? So speaking workshops, it's so much fun. I love it. Awesome. Well, you know, what's interesting too, is that for somebody like you who drove innovation, right? It's something that wants to come quickly, usually. Mm-hmm right? Innovation wants to come quickly. And yet what you're doing now, paradoxically, is inviting people to take it slow Mm -hmm. in discerning what their next steps are, in discerning where they're going to align their time, energy, and attention so that they can reduce and relieve the pressures psychologically, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. Am I hearing that correctly? 
Yeah, I would say it like this, Angel. I think a lot of companies are chasing change and a lot of people are chasing change. And I say, you're never going to catch it. So stop chasing change. Instead, flow with the phase of growth that you're in right now. Mm -hmm. If you've just started something new and you're in the birth cycle, then you know, you're going to look at things in one way, where if you are at the end of your rope, like I was before I left my corporate gig, then you're looking at things like what is a rebirth? You know, Mm. what is next? And just focusing on this phase you're in now and the very next phase is your strategy. Like don't overcomplicate it by trying to think of all things at all time. Just focus on the phase you're in and flow with change instead of chasing it. Does that I love make sense? that. Yeah, that's totally awesome. You know, people are chasing paper, they're chasing change, they're chasing yes. for clients. Yes. Yeah, I, I made the commitment in my own business to stop chasing and start choosing a few years ago. And mm-hmm. it was remarkable. You know, I think a lot of times people in general have this mindset of, I've got to go out there and get it. You know, I've yeah. got to go do it. I've got to go get it. And Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. It, <laughs> and it is so last millennium. Yes, yeah, it it's is. so last millennium thinking. It it's not quantum thinking at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. And when we are uh, aligned in the quantum thinking zone, you know, we're going to talk about the future, you know, I love it. We don't need to chase anything. We right. just simply need to allow and be present for it and ideally be healthy. Right. Yes. And it's all here for us at all times. This, the book that I'm launching in February on National Leadership Day on the 20th, it talks about, it's the first in a series called the Current Insights Series, because everything is the current and quantum, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that word has the complexity to talk about the current in your organization, the heartbeat of the organization, the electricity that powers our cities and powers our people, our heart, our, you know, our systems. Mm -hmm. And so everything is just current when you're talking about quantum. I love it. And current and currency can play together nicely. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And even I'm going to really geek out with you a minute, but um, even the current, the fruit, a little bit different spelling used to be lauded in ancient times for its healing properties. And so you have the complexity that word means food. It could mean water. It could mean electricity. It could mean contemporary. So it can also mean fun funds. It could. (laughs) It could. Right. So, you know, whenever we are working with people who are still thinking in the more kind of last millennial ways, Mm -hmm. the conventional ways, often they speak money, you know. And so what I love about what you're saying here is that we can speak money as well as all these other things and tie them together in a way that is actually in service for the people the company, and the the world. Let's talk about this idea of leaving your work and going into the jungle for three months, which you told me about in the green room and out of which this first book, Trust Your Animal Instincts, was written. Let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that because that's wild and crazy and <laughs> and wonderful. And most people are like, they dream about it, but they wouldn't do it. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about that. I think I had a bit of a hometown advantage growing up on a small farm. So I'm not (laughs) afraid of creepy crawlies and snakes and things that many people might find daunting in the jungle area. 
I quite like being in nature. So that was a little less daunting. And I also, it, it was a friend of a friend. I had started languaging to folks. I would love to find a place I could just disappear for a while and collect my thoughts and, you know, read all the books about, you know, what to do next and journal. You know, I'd never taken time to journal. And a friend of a friend said, I have a place. It's, you know, only five miles from a beach. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, like the Florida beach, you know, I can just ride a bicycle or rent a bike when I get there. No planning. When I get there, there are no paved roads for an hour and a half. You know, there is no way you can ride a bike on those roads because there are feral dogs, you know, that will chase you and try to eat you. Like it is, it was not even an address, no mailbox. It was that rural. So I was in shock myself at how rural it was, but it was okay. You know, <laughs> there was a door I could close behind myself every day. And, you know, there was running water most days. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you came out of that with maybe tell us what your biggest insight was about yourself. Yeah. It recharged my life and really ignited my power because I set aside those shoulds. It took that time to process and get out and hike every day. And I did an hour of yoga every day. And I really, literally, I was upside down and my life was upside down. And these bats would come and hang with me, seven little bats. I named them after the seven dwarfs. And this was in the daytime. I'd never seen bats in a day. And long story short, it finally occurred to me about halfway through my time there, the message that they were sending to me, which was, you know, bats can't take off from the ground. They're not like birds. They have to let go and risk dropping to their death. They have to take the risk. And that's what I needed to do was just let go of what I thought I knew about success and redefine it for myself. And now I'm helping others do the same, whether it's in a business context or in a personal context. It's really important to me that I don't want to see other people suffer and disconnect. I was so disconnected. I describe it like that song, Pink Floyd, Comfortably Numb. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't feel anything. I just I didn't even know if I had feelings. So it was it was really important to me <laughs> to help others hopefully not go through the same situation. I love that. Well, bat is symbol of rebirth. It's it's one of in the animal metaphysical realm, bat is a rebirth. So I love that you had seven bats with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, my whole book, Trust Your Animal Instincts, was about messages from animals. And I would particularly see an animal until I figured out what is the message and decoded what it meant. And mm. so bats were one of about eight animals in the book, including snakes and scorpions and all kinds of things, cardinals. So the book is, it's kind of fun and written in the context of my grandmother who has long since passed on, but spending the summers with her and I I would ask her, what should I do? And she, I felt like this was her sense of humor to me, like sending a snake and then sending another one. And I would keep seeing the animal over and over until, until I figured it out. So you got the message. All right. Sure Beautiful. Did. Well, Tabitha, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming. Listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you think of today's episode. Go right now to wickedlysmartwomen.com to join our community, share your takeaways, ask questions, or submit guest suggestions. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. 
Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.